Hi, and welcome to the latest episode of Towards Stockholm Plus 50. This podcast is part of a short series produced to mark Stockholm Plus 50, 50 years since the Stockholm Conference of 1972. Each episode interviews an expert in environmental policy and diplomacy about how we can collectively achieve the implementation of environmental policies and build a greener and fairer future. I'm here today with Professor Daniela Tilbury. She is the Commissioner for Sustainable Development and Future Generations for the Government of Gibraltar. She is an educator, policy expert and academic leader in sustainable development, credited with having created the initial frameworks for education in this field. Before her current role, she was Vice-Chancellor and CEO of the University of Gibraltar and member of the board of WWF Australia. She'll be speaking at our upcoming webinar alongside Thomas McIntyre, a research fellow and consultant for UNESCO projects on sustainability, climate change and education, and Ariane Walls, Professor of Transformative Learning for Socio-Ecological Sustainability at the University of Wageningen and UNESCO Chair for Social Learning for Sustainability. So hi, Daniela. It's great to have you here with us today. Welcome. Pleased to be part of this webinar series. And I wanted to just jump straight in with the topic that we're talking about today, which is going to be the environment and education and looking to the future. So my first question for you is, how has environmental education evolved in the last 50 years? Well, to answer this question, I think we need to locate ourselves in the early 1970s. Um, You see, much has changed since 1972. For example, when Apollo 17 took the first color photograph of the Earth and we saw the large blue marble, it gave us a very different perspective about the planet, about our earth, how we fell in love with nature, and how people began to sense the vulnerability of our planet. And it was very much then at that time in 1972 that we started to collectively understand that the earth is something very precious and that we had a responsibility to protect it. And of course, 1972 was also the year when the United Nations hosted the Conference of Human Environment in Stockholm. And this began a new era of global cooperation and environmental diplomacy. It also brought about not only the United Nations Environment Programme, but also the birth of environmental education in a formal sense. These developments date back to what was called the Principle 19 of Stockholm Declaration that spoke of the importance of education as a means to address the human and environment divide that we were facing. It recognized that we needed to change gear, we needed to change the way that humans responded to the environment, and therefore education was seen as an important tool, I guess, uh, to address the, the divide. But what's really important to recognize was that in those days, teaching about the environment was very much considered to be quite out there. There was nothing uh, similar to environmental education. Yes, there were some people who were engaged in nature studies, in outdoor learning experiences, in conservation education. And they dealt entirely with developing an understanding of nature and of ecosystems not with tackling human decisions and actions and their impact on the environment, which is what environmental education is all about. Of course, there were shifts in the 80s to these practices, 
as we started looking at nuclear energy, acid rain, embrace citizenship and problem solving as part of education. And that changed the nature of our educational responses. We became more aware of how our daily decisions impacted on the environment and deciding things like travel, food choices, recycling, how these had big policy issues and impacts, not just for our local community, but for our planet in general. There was also a shift with regards to attitudes and behaviors in the 90s, as we understood that it, you know, these environmental issues were not black or white, and there wasn't a particular way we had to behave that we all had to learn, but that we needed to understand the complexity underpinning some of these environmental issues. We started seeing that people were not just the problem, but that they were agents of change. We also stopped to point fingers at people or, or particular groups of people like businesses or corporations. And we started to learn the importance of, of working with a large range of stakeholders. These are all the sort of shifts that we've experienced in, the, in education in the last three to four decades. And to follow up on that, there's been a lot of huge changes, but what have been the big obstacles or challenges for environmental education? Oh, that's a really good question. I, I think, you know, possibly best to illustrate this is Warren Brown's cartoon that captures the contradictions or tensions that we experience in education itself. A lot of people do consider environmental education to be very controversial, and it shouldn't be, but it is because of the way that we're often practicing it in schools, for example. So Warren Brown draws a teacher standing next to a blackboard in a very traditional classroom setting with young students sitting in single desks lined up facing the front. In the cartoon, he, he says that the teacher speaks to the students in a, in, a, in a sort of senior voice and says, I expect you all to be independent, innovative, critical thinkers who will do exactly as I say. You see, environmental education had that sort of tone to it. It is expecting our young people to be problem solvers, critical thinkers who will do exactly as the teacher says. And to me, this is a massive contradiction at the heart of not just unsustainable education, but of a need of educational reform. This experience has helped me understand, for example, that we need to change the focus on student learning outcomes and look at the way we teach because how we teach is just as important as what we teach our students in support of sustainability. So our inability to recognize these contradictions, these paradigms that are opposed to the type of world that we need um, to resolve our environment and sustainability problems are quite significant in, in, in terms of challenges for us as we move forward. Because a lot of our schools, a lot of our colleges, a lot of our universities are serving as mirrors rather than lighthouses. They're reflecting what is going on in our society. They're reproducing a lot of the status quo that is quite exploitative of our planet. And we need to recognize that we need to shake that up. We need to not just add optional courses on the environment or sustainability into existing education system. We need to actually shape 
the system for it to be very different. There is a saying, you cannot put a lettuce in the window of a butcher shop and declare that it is now turning vegetarian. And that's exactly the problem we face with our education system. So, I mean, the other challenge that we face uh, is that we are not teaching about the future. We're not teaching futures education or futures thinking. And we need that to help our students envision a different way forward. Because what we are experiencing is concern and frustration from our young people who are developing climate anxiety and many are distancing themselves from democratic and political processes and instead are resorting to protests such as Fridays for Climate. There are no educational spaces at the moment to explore alternative futures and that has to change. That leads me on nicely to my next question actually, which is how can education make people aware of the environmental challenges that we're facing and find hopeful solutions to work for? Yeah, um, I think the issue is no longer about a lack of awareness. You cannot escape the news, the evidence, the way that everyday life is being affected by environmental and sustainability challenges. Everything is connected from the war in Ukraine to the shortages in oil uh, and gas to you know, the food, uh, the, the impact all of this is having on our food choices and so on. Um, human and environment development issues have never been so inextricably linked as they are today. And people can see it, they can see it, the impact it's having on their purses, the impact it's having on choices and quality of life. So the question is not so much how we can keep making more people aware, but perhaps how we can meaningfully engage our young people in addressing these issues. I think that there has been, if there has been a success attributed to environmental education, it is that the population is now very aware and there has been some successes there. But we're simply not choosing to make decisions in favor of the environment, despite our awareness. And so this means that we need a different type of education. We have to do more than just get children or adults experiences in nature or raise their concern about biodiversity loss or their local environment. We need education opportunities that can give some real experiential uh, learning in, with regards to everyday issues in their community, in their households, in their work environment, because they need to learn to shape the rapidly changing landscape we're facing, rather than simply learn to analyze it, because the sector has been unable to create social actors. We have a lot of observers, but not a lot of people engaged. And that to me has been a failing of education. In this challenge, what's the opportunity for UNEP to strengthen the role of education in environmental policies, rule of law and action? Well, UNEP has always been concerned with this agenda and often worked in partnership with UNESCO to launch some key policy commitments. Timing is important because this decade is the critical decade and the opportunities are ever increasing, actually. Most member states are now seeing the value of investing in education in this agenda. I think the climate education movement is bringing an ever greater energy to our education efforts. And we have had, for example, in COP26 in Glasgow last year, 
uh, a meeting of environment and education ministers that pledged a significant uh, focus on sustainability and environment in the next 12 months. And we had 19 member states explicitly declare their interests in this area. I think UNIP can play a role in multiplying this interest in also requesting that there is a reporting of these commitments in their education um, initiatives that are being so widely discussed. We haven't got a way of measuring, of assessing whether we are headed in the right direction with this agenda, whether governments are actually delivering with regards to these commitments. I think we need to also expand the conversation beyond that of the cost of carting carbon to investing in capability building for all citizens. And so I think we all recognize the moral duty of preparing our current and future generations to contribute to a net zero future that protects our biodiversity and our ecosystems, as well as people on the planet. So we need to focus on governance, on reporting, but also in broadening the circle so that we have more stakeholders that are actually engaged in quality education initiatives as we move forward. Now, I'd love to continue the conversation here, but Actually, this podcast just serves as a preview of the conversation we're going to have on the 3rd of May as part of the series of legacy webinars that we're holding. And Daniela Tilbury will be speaking on Tuesday, the 3rd of May at 4 uh, Central European time for the webinar, The Environment and Education Looking to the Future. So I would encourage anyone listening today to go to our website and register for the webinar and the other webinars that we have taking place over the next couple of weeks. You can find information about the webinar and how to register on the website towardsstockholm50.org or on our Twitter feed at stakeholders. So I want to thank you for your time today, Daniela. It's been a pleasure speaking with you. Thank you very much, Cass. And thank you all for listening today. And I hope to see you on the third.